This is the EP Growth Podcast from Hunter Rehabilitation and Health. We're here to grow the exercise physiology profession through supporting the professional and personal growth of young EPs in the industry. Hello and welcome back to the EP Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McAfee, the Director of Hunter Rehab and Health, and I'm joined once again, it's been a little bit of time in the making, but uh, back again is the co-host, Chris Goward, Manager of Hunter Rehab and Health. How are you going, mate? Well, Rhino, how are you, buddy? Doing very well, doing very well. It's our first podcast for the year, 2023. It's been um, a little while since we've been on one together. What's been happening, mate? What's, what was uh, the Christmas and New Year period like for you? It does get a bit like that, mate. We get very busy, then we knock out a few potties, and then we get busy again, but... 2023 it's our year mate we'll be nice and consistent this time around so listeners tune in but um uh what was my christmas like um nice one not not too much going on got around some of the family and then uh, my turn to be in the clinic so got in and, and got some jobs done over the the days we we're open here but um yeah not too much going on just a productive one with some nice downtime as well how about you mate nice mate that's why yeah i think it was everyone uh needed after a busy year so yeah much the same mate spent some time with the family uh first uh christmas for little daughter ella it was um yeah very nice very nice Nice. um to make it all about her so it was um yeah very nice christmas and yeah had about a week and a half off about 10 days off which was really nice i love that period between uh, Christmas and, and New Year's, and I actually do a lot of sort of personal work on myself and 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 plan for the week uh, for the year ahead, and it just yeah it gives me a lot of confidence and clarity moving into the into the new year. So, booking in holidays and yeah revisiting my calendar again, making sure that it's yeah as efficient as possible. I love doing all those things. It's like it's like planning for a marathon. Like you you, you understand how's the marathon going to go? Um, if you plan it out, you sort of yeah you you prepared and um, it obviously reduces stress levels going into 2023. So one of the uh, key projects I worked on across there was the EP Growth Mentoring website. So the website is ready to go and ready to launch, which we're going to be launching on this coming Monday, which is super exciting. So our mentoring program is about to go live. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to yeah show how much value we can provide to young EPs out there in the industry. So stay tuned with that. We'll um, release some more details as we come into the new year. Exciting times, mate. It's obviously uh, something we get a little bit of chat about is, you know, we provide uh, mentoring every week to our guys here, not just us, but some of our senior guys are doing that now. And now our service, we're obviously going to roll out uh, across Australia, really. So Mm. uh, young EPs everywhere will be able to get on board, get some help, really up their game. Mm. So exciting. It's just exactly what we're passionate about is just, is just helping young EPs in the industry and growing the profession. As a result, we feel like we can grow the profession by growing uh, EPs and, and making them the best EPs possible. So it uh, doesn't seem like work for me. It just it's just really exciting, and I can't uh, can't wait to to uh, roll it out and, and explain what what exactly it's going to entail. Yeah, it's definitely exciting, mate. We've <clears throat> been talking about it for a while. There's been a bit of work going for a while now, so. Uh... Good to uh, to get it up and running and, and see where we can uh, we can go with it. But we'll park that there for now. Today's podcast, what are we on about? Yeah, so we're going to chat about the non-clinical aspects of patient care. So there's so many things to consider in, in patient care. So 
we want to talk about some some non-clinical, perhaps non-EP aspects of patient mm -hmm. care and seeing the big picture and how we can address some of those key factors as they are extremely important in rehab and, and recovery as well. So uh, Chris, did you want to start it off with yeah, what your definition of non-clinical aspects of patient care is? What, what things are we talking about here? Yeah, so certainly some things we can be touching on as EPs that are, I see overlooked a lot of the time. So particularly seeing this with uh, less experienced guys, they're very focused on the X's and O's. So, you know, the exercise component of it, um, asking very specific questions uh, that they might've been sort of instructed on from a uni perspective, but overlooking things that make up this person. So this this little sort of list here is, is not uh, <clears throat> not um, complete. There's certainly other things that you can consider, but things like sleep, uh, um, psychological stress, um, sorry, mental health, Hydration, nutrition, time constraints, alcohol consumption, all those things are going to be uh, things that we need to be considering in an initial consultation and throughout treatment that will influence the, the person's progress towards their goals. Mm. Uh, absolutely amazing. Yes, I think 100% agree with all those things. I think it's a lot to consider there. Mm. You mentioned EPs are going through their set questions. We've got a set amount of time in the initial assessment. I guess... I guess, what does that look like for you, mate? I, obviously, every single one of these are important. We don't want to miss anything. It could be the, the factor uh, stopping them from getting better. But uh, how, do we, how do we stay across all these things? When do we talk about each of these things? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, mate. Even sort of looking into this topic today, just to, to make sure we're, we're totally across things. There's so much information. You can go down so many different rabbit holes. But I think if you're in an initial consultation, you want to have uh, some some areas to be across rather than specific questions. So instead of saying um, something like, you know, how much exercise do you do? You might sort of talk about, um, yeah, what does physical activity look like in your lifestyle and in, in, in your lifestyle at the moment and, and go through that or um, that opens up more questions. If they say, oh, you know, I don't exercise too much. You might say, well, why is that? Or you know, talk to me about your nutrition habits and then you can go down that path there. So you're covering off uh certain areas of that person's lifestyle without asking specific closed questions. Mm. Uh, and then it's almost a case of triaging. So as an example there, if someone, if we're talking about it, maybe it's alcohol consumption. So if someone says, Oh, you know, I might have two to three beers per night. Um, yeah, and they can go on with some further details there, but let's say that's what it is in terms of the amount of alcohol consumed. You might look at that and go, well, we, we need to address that, but that's not the main issue here for this person. There's there's other more important factors to address. So we'll make a note of it and then we can talk about it later on into future consults. If that person was seeing you for maybe it's a weight loss goal and they tell you, oh yeah, I have 10 to 12 beers a night. That's something that's pretty important towards their goals. And you're going to need to address that pretty quickly. That's going to have so many different flow on effects for them. Uh, weight gain, how they feel mentally, how they are able to turn up physically for an actual gym session, which is what they'd be coming to see you for. So without considering that alcohol consumption, all the other things that you would like to put in place, uh, it's going to be pointless. So we do need to touch on that first. So um, something I'll, I'll probably put back to you, Rhino, with your experience as well is, yeah, we might look at this and go, well, that's outside my scope. Surely that's, that's something a dietitian would need to discuss with the person. So how would you approach that? Mm. 
Yeah, great question, mate. I think, yeah, we love working with other allied health professionals and using their skill set and referring on. However, there are aspects of our EP role where we can provide some assistance and some guidance here. It doesn't take a rocket scientist sometimes to, to implement some good habits here. They just need someone to keep them accountable and motivated. So, for example, for myself, when, when I used to see a lot of clients, I wouldn't go overboard with the nutrition side of things. I would just take out the thing that's causing the most damage. So for example, I, I remember having a patient that would have, I think two liters of Coke a day and the rest of the diet was probably rubbish as well. Um, wasn't amazing food, probably wasn't getting the amount of veggies that I was supposed to be having, every, everything else. But my goal was just to reduce that. That was my one goal. That's all it was. Okay, okay let's, let's reduce it to one liter over the next, next two to three weeks. If I set one achievable goal there, I'm going to make a considerable difference on the rest of their lifestyle there. And then we look to reduce that and cut that out of the way. And then from, from there, as we're reducing that, we're, we're addressing the hydration status and we're trying to get them to increase their water intake at the same time. And I guess asking someone to increase their water intake doesn't really need the guidance of a dietitian. It's, um, it's something that's within our scope and something that we can uh, we can talk about, but when I, when we are looking at someone with a very poor diet or very poor nutrition, things like that, that's when we, we will refer on as well. But I think within our initial assessment, within our first consult, second consult, we can set these tiny goals, these very achievable tiny goals, which are going to make a huge impact uh, on their overall health. So it's by sort of removing the thing that's causing the most damage rather than restructuring their whole um, yeah, diet or restructuring everything in, in one big consult because we're obviously looking at the exercises as well. So I wanted mm. to keep it as simple as possible when seeing my clients. Yeah, for sure. It's certainly at least asking the questions to get that information is probably what we're talking about here first, right? Like it's going through that, that initial consultation and, and developing as much information or, or insight as you can get about what is impacting this person's state of health. And so you've got that there. And then once you go away, so somewhere between that first initial consultation and the second consult is where you'll put together a management plan. And so you can weigh up all that information now and you can go, okay, I feel like this is the most important thing I need to be addressing. You may need to um, check in with your mentor or maybe it's the, the online mentoring with us, but you can get some advice there on, hey, do you, do you think this needs to be considered? How much of an impact do you think this is going to be having? Perhaps you're doing some of your own CPD and research and so you can work this out for yourself, but to put together the most appropriate management plan where you can see, okay, weeks one to three, we're going to be focusing on getting this uh, exercise program prescribed and you can complete that competently. And then from then we're going to start to look at a nutritional focus. And then from then we'll look at dealing with the the next line. So uh, it's it's going to come into to forming a, a best possible plan for you. But if you don't ask these questions and you don't consider them, you can't plan for it. And then implementing it becomes basically impossible. Mm. So important. Exactly right. I think to address the elephant in the room here, it's it's these factors here, if we get them under control, it's going to allow our body to be in a in a state that will allow us to heal. Um, I'll sound a bit holistic here, but all these things need to be in in check or in homeostasis for, to allow our body to heal, whether it is a torn ligament or a torn muscle and things like that. Uh, lack of sleep, poor nutrition, stress, poor hydration. These things result in inflammation throughout the body. These all have yeah 
associations with inflammatory markers. And when we've got inflammation, it's going to be very difficult for our body to lose weight, for that tendon to heal, for that muscle to heal. So sometimes we're, we're wondering why aren't these exercises working? Why isn't this person getting better? These are the key attributes here to get your body in a, in a state that allows it to heal. Uh, so sometimes, yeah, if we don't address these things, we could be going for months with our client in the gym and doing everything we can and just not understanding why is their body not, not healing? Why is their nervous system so sensitive and they're still in pain? It's because these other, other key factors here are not, um, are not in line and, and there's a lot of inflammation in the body and it's not allowing them to, to heal, which I think is, yeah, is something that we need to consider holistically as, as EPs. Definitely, mate. It's, as you say, it starts with a conversation. I think uh, another little one that we, we haven't quite touched on, and it's not so much about a, a physiological point of view, but uh, is time constraints. So the amount of times you'll see, uh, if it's even in a mock situation we might have with some students, uh, we'll set up the, the little case scenario and very deliberately in the scenario, our, uh, our made-up clients has got extreme work commitments and three kids and they're a single parent. And just to see what impact that has on the program that they want to put together or you know, how they're going to prescribe their exercise. So if you've got someone that's working you know, five days per week with two kids as a single parent, prescribing them an exercise program that takes an hour you know, five times a week or, or more, like what considerations are there within that? That's, that's probably not going to get done or certainly not to how you've prescribed it. And therefore, you're not going to get the results either. So you do need to consider things like time constraints and what is happening for that person outside of just the health like what how is how is their life influencing their health from that point of view so there is that and then further from that which is well i'll throw it to you here in a sec rhino as um you're passionate about it or i've worked with this before but uh, how that's going to go and, and affect someone's mental health so they know they should be doing these things but they don't seem to have time or, or can't factor it into their lifestyle at this moment with the skills they've got and so that starts to build up a, a stress or a depressive state because they can't get it done and they know it's ne- uh, affecting their health negatively mm. so things like uh, a mindfulness practice how could that be influ- incorporated into their their prescription mm. yeah big fan of mindfulness because uh, i'm a science guy and i follow numbers and there are meta-analysis uh lots and lots of meta-analysis around mindfulness about the effectiveness of it it is proven it's not something that's um that uh is just the fad it's it's something that's proven exercise are proven and mindfulness is proven so big big fan of it and the the what the research suggests is um that we don't need to do a lot of it either. 10 minutes sometimes, 10 minutes one, once a day can have significant improvements in people's mental health in their physiological response as well. So it's, um, yeah, it might be a little bit different. I'm not sure, I don't think any of our EPs are doing this, but I used to do this in some sessions. I incorporated mindfulness into my sessions. Um, and the way that I did, well, the reason why I did that was there is a paper out there that suggests that um, I think it was 20 minutes of cardiorespiratory exercise followed by 10 to 20 minutes of mindfulness. It actually reduced people's DAS21 scores by 40% in a six-week period. And there was no medication. There was nothing, no other strategy that reduced it by that much. And it's like this best kept secret, I think. But uh, combining those two, cardiorespiratory fitness first and then the mindfulness second, um, combining it in one go uh, was super, super powerful. So 
none of us, not all of us have offices, but a lot of the times I'd do the, the session and then spend 10 minutes. I'd get the little exercise mat, put it down in my office and let them leave them alone for 10 minutes, put a guided uh, meditation on. And some clients didn't buy into it, but a lot of clients did. And they love that end of the end of the session. Um, did this for a lot of my sort of chronic pain clients and anyone with, with mental health conditions as well. So that's how I incorporate in. Uh, the apps are amazing. Now you've got the Calm app. Um, you've got so much guided um, mindfulness meditation on YouTube. Now you can type it in and get a 10 minute video. And we don't really need to be experts there once again, um, not hundred percent in our scope, but you can give someone an app and say, listen to this 10 minute video and just do what they say. Lay, lay on your back, close your eyes and follow the guided meditation. And you won't be good at it at the beginning, but continue to try it, continue to try it. And weeks after weeks, you'll get better and better at being present and mindful and your body and mind will thank you for it. It's good, man. The listeners won't be able to, to see, but I was nodding, nodding along there listening to that. Um, I've done the exact same thing in the past where you ended the session with a, a mindfulness um, app of some description. And it's really interesting to note the difference between how the client came to the session. So they do a little bit of physical work and then finish with some mindfulness and see how they leave that session. And then you sort of provide them some education and encouragement and like explain to them the, the differences that you're observing and, and ask them to sort of reflect like, how do you feel now? And then incorporate that into their lifestyle. And, and you can see how that will impact them positively moving forward. But um, yeah, so many, so many benefits. Um, from addressing mental health components on the physical. But I think a, a big barrier that we can have because it's it's not necessarily our scope and we're not trying to make it our scope. If you, to be clear, if you've got someone that's got some fairly serious um, mental health markers, you need to be referring to a professional. But I think one of the first things that we need to consider is how do you have that conversation? I know some people are a little bit, or oh, like, you know, they're mentioning depressive symptoms, uh, like state symptoms, whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you go about raising that? Like what's, what's your take on it, Ryan? I know I would, I would sort of do, but how would you go about it? Mm. Like almost a different um, episode here, mate. How to refer We're, on to, to a different uh, to not, a psychologist. Not, not, not necessarily to how to refer on, but how would you, yeah, if, if someone you think is touching on that they're having some mental health issues, how do you bring that up with them to make it a point of conversation so you can learn more about it? And, mm. and yeah, if you then need a referral, we can do that. But just initially, how do you broach the topic, I guess? Yeah, I think it's those same principles of motivational interviewing and and asking, being being that listener and asking good questions and getting them to ultimately come to that realization as, as well by just asking how it's affecting um, different areas of their life and and then sort of asking and what else and what else and trying to get to them to make that realization a little bit more about how much it actually is affecting their their life um, the way that they um or perhaps their yeah their mental health how that is affecting their their relationship how it's affecting their work how it's affecting their their health and then perhaps sort of summarizing with oh you can see this is affecting several areas of your life here and um mm. it's, it's it's a key contributor here to a lot of um these different sources of stress so it's um it's getting them to make that realization and then if we were to be specific around a referral or anything like that then i would um, ask for permission to say oh we've got i've got a, a really close colleague who's excellent um and yeah provide their details and and ask if it's okay if they contact contact them and mm. ask for permission there and, and go from from there what about yeah. you mate? yeah so i'd like to i'd like to to ask first of all i don't want to i don't want someone to sort of um 
you know, throw a little bit of the line out or just sort of touch on a subject around their mental health and then skip over it. And then mm. I feel like that's worse. Like I've kind of heard it and I just disregarded it. I didn't follow down that path because I wasn't confident or I was I was scared to ask or um, things like that. I, I like to sort of, yeah, I'm listening. I'm here for you. So I will say something like, oh, hey, I, I noticed there that you've just touched on. Um, you've been experiencing X, Y, Z. Um, so I can... Uh, build a, the best possible picture about what's affecting your health here do you mind if i ask you more about that and then they'll say yes or no and so you're very, very upfront and, and nine times out of ten a person will say yeah that's fine um yeah, well tell me more about this and that's where it's the open-ended questions that you've just touched on there so um you can go down that path but it's very safe for that person to talk about it uh, they can say no if they want they can stop talking about it if they want but you're going to get a, a good picture of um, what their mental health looks like and the things that are affecting it by the open-ended open ended questions that you're asking. So mm-hmm. um, I, I do think it's it's not healthy. It's not good for the consult and for your relationship moving forward and getting results if you just sort of hear it and they go, oh, I'll avoid that because it's a bit of an awkward topic. Mm. So definitely want to have those conversations. 100%, mate. I think, um, yeah, I agree 100%. And there's that common theme of yeah, asking for permission there, which a lot of times when we do that, it's um, nine times out of 10, the client will say yes and it allows us to discover a little bit more and, and obviously help them a lot more as well. But I think uh, that's all we've got time for today, mate. Um, lots and lots of value there and looking forward to the next episode, mate. But um, yeah, some consistent episodes coming for everyone uh, this year. So We've got a plan in place. Looking forward to more episodes, mate. Thank you for your time. No worries, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the EP Growth Podcast. I would be forever grateful if you left a review, subscribe to our channel, and also share this podcast with any of your friends so we could ultimately grow this profession together. If you'd like any further information, please check us out on hunterrehab.com.au. Bye for now.